Welcome to another episode of Ripping on Bodice Rippers. I'm Kim Nguyen. And I'm Jenny Eccles. And today we are talking about, spoiler alert, by Olivia Dade. Um, so Jenny, do you want to give us the synopsis? Of course. All right, here we go. Marcus Castor-Rupp has a secret. The world may never know him as Aeneas, star of the biggest show on television, but fan fiction readers call him something else. Book Aeneas would never. Marcus releases his frustrations with the show by writing and posting anonymous stories about the internet's favorite couple, Aeneas and Lavinia. But if anyone were to discover his online persona, he'd be finished in Hollywood. April Whittier has secrets of her own. A hardcore Lavinia fan, she's long hidden her fanfic and cosplay hobbies from her real life, but not anymore. When she dares to post her latest costume creation on Twitter, her plus-size take goes viral. And when Marcus asks her out to spite her internet critics, truth officially becomes stranger than fanfiction. On their date, Marcus quickly realizes he wants more from April than a one-time publicity stunt. But when he discovers she's unapologetic Lavinia Stan, his closest fandom friend, he has one more huge secret to keep from her. With love and Marcus's career on the line, can Marcus and April stop hiding once and for all, or will a match made in fandom end up prematurely canceled? Dun dun dun! Match made in fandom. Okay, so you first <laughs> told me about this book, and the thing that really hooked me was the premise of it being so like fandom heavy, yes. which is not something I've seen in pop culture. Mm-hmm. And I just gotta say that that element super fun did not disappoint, but yeah. really heavy handed. Very quite it basically it's a not so subtle take on Game of Thrones the entire time. And as someone who's never watched Game of Thrones, I wasn't like quite as invested. Um, and what got me into the book wasn't actually the synopsis at all, but rather the cover. Um, So if anyone's familiar with um, romance Twitter, this cover blew up. It's designed by Lenny Kaufman. And it like got so much praise because April on the covers is like obviously fat. Like it's not hiding her weight at all. And there's like bumps and curves. And then having that sort of uh, contrast with Marcus, who's obviously very fit, um, was like I think shocking to everyone to see like a fat woman could be happy with someone who's like stereotypically attractive um yeah so I love this cover and I think it was this like illustration style also really benefits to show characters bodies because sometimes when you get in more of that cartoony you can't even tell and it's like okay is is she curvy or is she is she fat what is she (laughs) Well, for those of you who haven't seen it, you can just Google it or we'll post it on our um, Instagram and Twitter for everyone who's not familiar. But I also really like that um, she's fat, but she's not sexualized. Yeah. Like they're both in an embrace in a very classic, you know, romance pose, Mm -hmm. but nothing about her like breasts or hips or like anything is overtly sexual for no reason yes it's just really it's just really well done and the colors are fun and they're bright it's just it's good it's a good one yeah very good and I think too someone was saying like they really appreciated that like her butt was dimpled yeah it's like really small 
things like that make it look realistic where it's like okay obviously the illustrator did a really great job in trying to make sure that like this character was drawn not only well but correctly um and even like her her neck and the way it like dimples a bit and she has like a slight like second chin is just so accurate so I don't know very picky but that's like what drew me to the cover um and definitely made people like start crying that's what she the author mentions that many people cried watch seeing the cover on twitter cried yeah yeah that's just just goes to show you how important representation is that can Mm -hmm. elicit that kind of emotion from people all right, now let's talk about our main players in this book. We have our love interest and our leading man, Marcus Casterup, which, what a name. Amazing. He plays Aeneas in, in the fictional television show within this book, and he's a huge Hollywood star. Mm-hmm. And then we have Miss April Whittier. Love her. Lovely. Our, our heroine... The second protagonist, she is an archaeologist. Which or a is... geologist. Oh, shit. <laughs> She's a geologist, <laughs> which is not a not a job that I've seen depicted no. for female heroine. So I really appreciated that. And it's not just like a passing, like... Big plot point. It is a big plot point. Mm-hmm. It comes up throughout the book, which I appreciated. She's beautiful, she's fat, she cosplays, so she's rather she's a rather big nerd, which mm-hmm. I also appreciate. And then we have their friends, their family. Um, Marcus has his best friend who is his co star Alex. Alex. And then they have their shitty parents. Yeah. Both have shitty parents. I don't know their names. I forgot their names. I, but not important. Irrelevant. She's a shitty parent. Marcus and shitty parents April. <laughs> yes. And we will get to why they're shitty. Um okay, so those are our main players. Now let's get into the story. Yeah. So the first chapter actually opens with Marcus's point of view, which I found quite refreshing because I'm so used to dual POV romance novels starting with the female protagonist. Um so that was fun. And it starts with him being like in mud essentially he's like acting for his show it's like his last day on um what is it called on set um and then the second chapter also opens with april being covered in dirt and i just thought that was like so clever they were both on their like last days of work and they're covered in dirt and it's like a way to just easily bridge that they're like alike and there's something drawing them together. Um, so I was a big fan of that. I thought that was quite clever. That's really cute. I hadn't noticed that. Um, but yeah, I think that's a good tie that they're alike, even though mm-hmm. like we both see them at their work. Yeah. And it's very different work. I We've mentioned that Marcus is a star and he is rather disgruntled with how the story rather disgruntled with how his show is ending mm-hmm. wink wink nudge nudge to the game of thrones fan out there yep and april who is also not happy with her place of work because she feels unsupported as a woman in right. her position 
and she feels like she has to keep a lot of herself and her personal interests from her coworkers. So they both start in a place of dissatisfaction and they yeah. take a lot of comfort in their fan fiction community. Mm-hmm. And I think something to note too, they're both feeling like they can't be their full selves at work either. Like you mentioned, mm-hmm. April doesn't talk about her fan fiction or any of her hobbies or interests. And Marcus puts on this persona that he's just this like dumb blonde hot guy um, and not actually the like intellectual and shy guy that he actually is, which what a sweetie. Uh, a, a fake himbo, which is not a trope that I've encountered, but I was delighted. Delighted. If... If I ever encounter a himbo and then he becomes something like this, I will be, oh my gosh, elated. I would be so happy. Literally, we were talking yesterday Mm -hmm. about how I desperately want a himbo to enter my life. I am at that point where I just need someone fun and muscly Mm -hmm. and no, no brain. And I want an intellectual. And I think Marcus is a great bridge. Excellent. He fits both of our needs. Love Marcus. But anyways, the plot. How does it really go off? I mean, most of the book is truly focused on their relationship that sometimes it's hard to pick out a plot. Um, But I think the big kicker is when April gets a moment of courage and she decides to post um, a picture of herself doing Lavinia cosplay. And And, sorry, Lavinia is Marcus's character's love interest yes. in the fake show. Carry Lots on. to unpack. Um, so yeah, she's cosplaying as Lavinia, who is also one of the leads on um, the show. It's called Gods of the Gates. Gods of the Gates. Wow. Okay. Wow. At least it's, I don't know. I, I, I appreciate that she didn't just go the easy route with just like Game of Swords or something. Right. But I'm assuming editors were like, hey, this is too heavy-handed. You have to change something. As, as if it was... Okay, we'll get into the heavy-handedness yes. part yes. later. Anyways, the plot starts off with April posting a cosplay of Lavinia, who's also a main character in God of the Gates. And uh, she expects a lot of pushback because she's a fat woman cosplaying as a generally slim character. But she's drawn to the character because Lavinia is described as like being ugly, essentially, and still having love from this... Um, very stereotypically masculine, good-looking guy. So she's drawn to that um, relationship, so she posts her cosplay, and it goes viral. And she also gets a lot of hate from it, a lot of people calling her cow and all these other um, fat slurs. And so Marcus sees this, and in his own sort of white knight way, he asks her out on Twitter, and it goes from there. So let's talk about the fantastical aspect of this I Mm -hmm. it really tickled me because I think it's everybody's fantasy at some point that their celebrity crush would notice them on Twitter say a flirty comment Mm -hmm. slide into their DM but the way this was portrayed I don't think she freaked out enough well, I think it might be because she doesn't have a crush on Marcus. Oh, she that's thinks true. she's this dumb he's this dumb guy. And she actually has a crush on his best friend, Alex, who she finds more attractive. Yes. So that's maybe true. there's something there. Yeah, but like that's me saying that I wouldn't freak out if Zayn Malik 
right. mentioned of me course. on Twitter. Yeah. I also think it's interesting, this like fantasy that celebrities are like managing their own yeah. Twitter accounts. Yeah, I found that really cute. Like Marcus is almost 40. He's had like a decades long career and you're telling me he does his own social media. I can't believe it. Especially with, and I know, I know that the, how the story deals with this is that her tweet supposedly went so viral that it's Mm -hmm. like impossible not to notice, but still. Still. But it's nice to think. It is nice to think. Anyway, so he's immediately attracted to her mm -hmm. from the picture and she interprets his asking her out as a publicity stunt. Yep. Rightfully so, though. I would I would also. Right. And it's as like as a fat woman, too, you're like obviously more on edge. Right. So if someone like a hot guy would ask me out and would approach me, I would be like, oh, this might be for like a joke or to like prove something to his buddies that he's like not like a shitty person. So I think that also puts her on edge, like not only because he's a celebrity, but because she's a fat woman and he's so hot. hot. Yeah. Conventionally attractive. Yeah. Well, so they go. They go. She goes. She agrees. And then they have their first date. It's bad. It's bad. So here's what I, so Marcus being Marcus plays what he calls the well-groomed golden retriever character Mm -hmm. which is the persona that he puts on when he's in the public eye and i don't know know why i don't know why he went that route on a date yeah i think because he's afraid now for his persona to be like completely blown up and everyone will think he's been lying this entire time so then he won't get jobs But the thing is, you can just act a bit less dumb. Like, he goes dumb full on. He's like, oh, are we just going to eat salmon all night? Or like, so you have a Twitter? It's like, yeah, she talked to you on Twitter. It's like, obviously, he's smart. And I don't understand why he goes so, so far with it. Yeah. So the big angst here for Marcus is that he is dyslexic Mm -hmm. and his parents have made him feel dumb his entire life because they are both academics and they are both professors, Um, even though dyslexia is a learning disability Mm -hmm. and he's very intelligent as long as his disability is accommodated. Right. Right. But then what I don't understand is why it's such a big deal for him for people to for the facade to slip i guess Mm -hmm. i don't like my point is he's almost 40 he's getting tired of playing the well-groomed golden retriever i don't understand why he's so insistent on keeping that on because wouldn't people find you more interesting if you right but when people find you more interesting they'll know the real you and then they'll hurt you oof (laughs) Right? Oh. So he's keeping everyone at a distance, too, because the people who were closest to him, his parents, hurt him so much. Yeah. That now he'll never feel hurt because he'll never feel love. Ah! Hashtag relatable. <laughs> and April does the same thing. She puts on this, like, air of, 
I don't care and I'm always strong all the time when that isn't the case as we get further into the novel. Uh, we also see how her relationship with her parents impacted like how she perceives herself. Um, so I think she also like puts up that wall of never letting anyone truly in. And that way she doesn't have any like close friends. And the only friend she had was book Aeneas would never, um, which complicates things when Marcus learns on their first date that um, April is what, what's her name? Alsie unapologetic Alsie. Lavinia Stan who he calls Alsie. Yeah. So they're best friends virtually don't know each other in real life and he's just found this out and instead of reacting like oh my god i'm bookanius whenever he says nothing and he keeps it going um and that becomes a real crux of their relationship later on we've already talked about how fantastical it is that Mm -hmm. your celebrity crush will notice you on twitter and give a shit but extra for me, who is involved in fandom, who's had an AO3 account since I was a tender 11 years old. I, <laughs> you're never going to find it. Don't even try. But everyone who writes fan fiction, like mm-hmm. our worst nightmare and our dream come true, mm. both at the same time, is the person that we have been fantasizing about finding it. Right. And the fact that they just happen to already have been best friends on this fan server for so long. Yeah. I would want to, like, kind of just evaporate if the person in front of me who I was, like, going on a date with was like, actually, I've been talking for to you for two years and I know all your deepest desires I, and fears. I've betaed your smutty fan fiction. Yeah. That's written about a character who looks exactly like, like me. me. Oh, and she, wow. to be fair, she didn't know that. She didn't. Yeah. I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. So what would you do right now if Sebastian Stan appeared? No! And he was like, I love your fanfic. I'm Okay. I'm, no, I can't. I almost lied to you. I said <laughs> I've never written a fanfic. Lies. Stan, I've never published it. Okay. Um... I don't know. That's th- I, I'm having a stroke. Okay. As we're sitting here, so if it actually happens, I don't think I would survive medically. Yeah. No, you wouldn't. You would melt. I would into have a to puddle. And it wouldn't even be like. It, it would not be a good experience. I would have to move. Yeah, I think I'd be completely embarrassed and apologize because. Mm-hmm. And okay. <laughs> Anyways, like. And they kind of go over this being like, oh, it's not too embarrassing because April never sent Marcus the smutty parts because as book Aeneas would never an unapologetic Lavinia stan, he told her like, hey, I don't want to read that. And she didn't push him on that because boundaries. Right. We love it. We love it. Um, so someone else, her friend taught me Aeneas, read that, read those instead. Um, so I guess there's one way of like, oh, it's not as embarrassing because he didn't beta read his own own fix about a man who looks exactly like him fucking someone who looks like her. And while we're on the topic, let's just talk about how um, how much of an ode to fandom this mm-hmm. book is. I, I loved it because, like I said, this has been my life since I was very young. Yeah. And I felt so seen 
And it's so obvious that Olivia mm. is part of fandoms. It's just the little details like a fan fiction server where people beta each other's fix. Mm-hmm. Meaning so when you're a fan you're a fiction writer, you or a fan fiction writer, you don't have, you know, paid editors. No. So betaing a fic essentially mean that you are showing it to, you know, one or two people who you are friends with through the site and they will read it, edit it, give you back their notes. And it's just little vocab words like that i think they used otp at some point um i really loved it but do you think that it do you think you have to understand fandom and appreciate fandom to like really get the heart of this book i don't think so because i've never written fanfic i've never been on ao3 i mean i've like read fanfic before as like a maybe this will be interesting and i've never gotten attached to it or never gotten it so attached to a fandom to feel the need to write and I still absolutely love this book but I think it might be because I felt seen in a different way where this was like one of the first books a romance novel I read where there's like a fat protagonist and she wasn't shamed for it at least she's not shamed from herself there's no like internalized fat phobia um like throughout the book like she loves yeah. her body and I think that was the first time so I think I had that personal connection where even if I didn't quite understand the fanfic part I was like whatever I'm reading this book yeah I really like that there's like this book has something that speaks to the both of us yes in a very personal way in a very different way and yeah I, I also appreciate that it's not a journey to self-love story no. even though there oh there is space and room for stories like that but i think that just starting just being a contemporary romance i don't need to be told that the the protagonist hates herself i mm-hmm. think that's tired yeah it's just like also when you're living in a body that that you're constantly told isn't good enough you don't also want to hear that from a fiction book yeah. and fiction because romance novels are this escapist fantasy right where your crush your celebrity crush dms you and asks you on a date and you fall happily ever after i don't also want to think about how my body's not good enough and i think olivia does a really great job um of like doing what she says she'll do in her in her dedication she wrote um to everyone who's ever doubted as I did, someone who looks like you can be desired, someone who looks like you can be loved, and someone who looks like you can have a happy ending. I swear it. And I think she actually like truly accomplishes that without having any sort of like shame put on the protagonist, at least except for the antagonists. So, who are clearly, you know, clearly in the wrong. In the wrong. I remember the first time I read this, I actually cried reading that dedication. Aww. I was like, oh shit, this book is going to like tear me apart. I cried a not, and I was really surprised by the fact that I cried, but I was, this is what happens when I read books at 2 a.m. in the vulnerable space of my bed. <laughs> 2 a.m. is a dangerous time. It's a bad time. Um, and what struck the chord for me dear listeners was marcus's relationship with his parents so we've talked about how they're both they both have shitty parents who shame them for being exactly who they are Mm -hmm. and for for april it's the fact that she's fat but for marcus it's because he is 
they are disappointed in him because he is quote unquote stupid, even though he's not. Nope. He's very intelligent. It's just they they couldn't accommodate their son's dyslexia. Which even is, though they're professors. Even though they're professors, which most is most definitely had dyslexic students before. Yes, and I think that I was really struck when I don't know if this is the author's intent, but I think it's it could be also seen as like a remark on how certain people go into academia not mm. for the purposes of teaching. And yeah. So uh so I'm not dyslexic, but it's just like that complicated relationship. There was this beautiful part where he where April tells him that he can choose to forgive them for all of yes. the shit that they did to him or he can choose not to forgive them. Yes. And that is a narrative that I so deeply appreciate as someone who is a child of a not let's just say not excellent not parents. No. Um, who also has received many times in her life the narrative of, but they're still people who took care of you. Mm-hmm. And like, oh, yeah, but you're still flesh and blood. And they still, and I'm like, yeah. well, I, do I owe them for not leaving a, a their child, their baby that they've made out in the cold? Or do I yeah, just move on from all the actual shit that they did? I remember writing that down, that I love that, that they were showing that you can cut off people who are toxic in your life, even if those people are your parents, because you don't owe anything to people who make you feel less than. And so both April and and Marcus essentially do that, and they're like slowly building their relationship back up with their parents by the end. And I thought that was like so powerful to be like, you you can put your happiness before before someone else's or before expectations and that's completely valid yeah that it really hit and I didn't I didn't expect for the plot to go there no at all within this romance I there's a lot that Olivia packed into this book without making it feel disjointed which is really which just shows her skill as a writer yeah it's like jam-packed with emotional depth at all times and there I mean there's fun parts too don't get me wrong but it's like Wow, this thing punches you in the gut. Yeah. Ah, oh, good old parents. Good parents. Good yeah. old childhood parenting trauma, you mm-hmm. guys. And she does such a great job like explaining how when you're fat shamed by parents or by other people, it's like so subtle. Like there's Yeah, it's almost like microaggressions. Yes. Like you don't when people ask you like, "Oh, well, how do you know you're being judged?" You're like, I don't know. I felt it. Like, it's just something so, like, felt. I think she did a great job discussing um, how April felt, like, maybe uncomfortable eating food around Marcus at the beginning of their relationship. Um, How talk of food and dieting and exercising was triggering to her. And, like, how her mom would do things like point out the low-calorie options on a menu as, like, a helping way. Mm -hmm. And how even that is obviously crossing a boundary like it's subtle things like that that were like obviously spot on and something I really connected to because I have such a troubled relationship with food that like 
I still sometimes feel like uncomfortable eating in front of people. And that was like, obviously something I had to figure out when I went to college and had to eat in front of people. Um, So I really loved that she focused on that relationship between April and food and how by the end there wasn't shame in what she was eating. Like she could eat what she wants and no one's going to judge her for that, which I loved. That's, yeah, you really got to figure that out. College is not, Mm -hmm. uh, dining halls were not meant for. Oh my God. Private eatings. Yeah. I was like, okay. It it wasn't even figured out. It was like, you eat because you're hungry and you just got to stop thinking about other people in this room who aren't looking at you. Who aren't. Yeah. That's the thing, right? That's Mm -hmm. the kicker is people don't generally aren't giving a shit. Especially tired college student who's just wants their yes. third plate of fries. I was like, oh my god, what if the lunch lady thinks I'm weird because I go back for seconds? Like, what the hell? She, does she doesn't even remember. know my face. It could have been five minutes and she would look at me like I was a brand new person. So. Um, so that hasn't been my experience with food. But the thing that I really appreciated was the depiction of april and her relationship with her mom as Mm -hmm. well and it's not as simple as oh they're bad people no cut them out of your life april's mom her actions are toxic and the book calls that out and it is harmful to april and april's psyche but the book also does mention that it comes from a place of love as sick and twisted as that is Mm-hmm. because her april's mom and like i see a lot of my mom in that where they say things that's really mean and really hurtful to your psyche but they think it's okay because they just want you to be quote unquote the improved version of yourself yes but obviously like i'm your child please don't try to fix me all the time mm-hmm. and, and and in april's case don't fix me because there's nothing, nothing. wrong yeah I know I that comes up on page 313 and that it was just so striking um, when April confronts her mom and says, you love me, but you still hurt me. When I talk to you, when I see you, I end up half convinced that who I am, what I am is wrong and abhorrent and needs to be fixed. And Joanne responds saying she's not abhorrent and she never, ever thought that. And um, it goes on to say, the raw truth in that declaration drove April to reach for her mother's hand. Joanne's fingers were slender and cold and unsteady. So fragile, April couldn't squeeze too hard for fear of breaking them. Still, her mother needed to realize, but that's how you make me feel. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yes. oh my God, rocked me. Yeah, it's such a revelation to see that narrative being pushed in a contemporary novel because i think the message we receive all the time is that oh but they love you and that's the goal is that they love you and and like that's and forgive them because it's coming from a good well-intentioned place that's the end all be all but the actual thing that i've learned from living life is that sometimes the way certain people love you isn't great for you right and even if they don't have that intention to make you feel bad, that doesn't matter. What it matters is yeah. the effect. It does not negate your feelings exactly. Yeah. So so good, Olivia. Girl, hats off. Oh my goodness, that's not even the main love story here. No, the love story is like going strong throughout this whole entire thing, while we're just being punched <laughs> in the emotional gut of toxic parent relationships and fat phobia and 
ableism. It's wild. And it's all done so well. Um, and I think a really good marker of trying to have that levity while still dealing with those harsher topics is that not harsher, but more fraught topics is that after every chapter, there's like a little fanfic. Yes. Let's talk about that. Oh my gosh. That was such a good like break. So when, after you read that confrontation, you can read a little fanfic and it's like, it's that levity, even if you didn't realize you needed it. So not only do we see April and Marcus's relationship develop as they get to know each other in person, mm-hmm. we also get snippets of their relationship um, over the years through little different like chat convos that yes. ends that ends the chapters, and those are oh my god, very cute, so cute. I was like, oh my god, and why I do I it- like them together more? Like it it was just so sweet. There's one where she's like, well, what do you do when you're feeling bad? And he's like, talk to you. Talk to you. He's like, I used to like maybe drink tea or like do something else. And he's like, but nowadays I just talk, talk to, to you. you. Oh, the my way God. My heart clenched in my chest. I was like, okay. Okay. Thank you. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> and. There's also on page 328 that um, Marcus and April are talking, but in their, on AO3. So it's book Aeneas would never an unapologetic Lavinia stan. And he talks about how he didn't have friends growing up and he's used to disappointing people, which is oh, a so remark sad. to his relationship with his parents. Um, and she just responds, well, you've never disappointed me. Oh, my, oh my God. God. Listeners, you can't see this, but I am physically rubbing my chest right mm-hmm. now because it just it hurts so good. Yes, like the deep, deep care they have for each other, while even before meeting, even before meeting, it's just so wonderful that they're able to like see that they're hurting and just hold them, not try and fix them, just be like, yeah, okay, well, just... I'm here for you, and you're good enough for me. Oh my god. It's so good. And when she has that, when April has a confrontation with her mom, they're speaking over the phone. And so she asks Marcus to sleep with her with the lights on. And he. Oh, wait. Ah, ah, let's talk about that scene. okay? Okay. Because that scene destroyed me. Let's figure out where it is in the book. I found it. It's page 290 to 291. So after April gets off a call with her mom, Joanne, um, she, quote, couldn't disconnect fast enough. And when she turned in Marcus's arms, he was staring down at her, her forehead creased, and she didn't want questions from him. Not now. So instead of asking questions, um, they just go on with their night and they have sex. And she, he asks her what he, she needs. And she asks, um, he, so he asks, what do you need, April? All this evening, they'd been discussing wants, not needs, but at this moment, for her, maybe the two were the same. She says, as my reward, I want you to fuck me with all the lights in this room blazing. She tipped her chin higher, refusing to break eye contact. I want you to look at me the whole time. Can you do that? Against her belly, his renewed desire began to make itself known, and the hardening of his cock felt like a triumph. Absolute victory over a foe she'd been battling and battling for decades now. He laughed even as his hands rose to cup her breasts. Of course I can do that. I've done it before, and it would literally be my pleasure to do it again. 
Then he hesitated. Only, and it, they go on, he said, after I fuck you, can we make love with all the lights on? Uh, <laughs> uh, can you imagine? First of all, make love normally when people use mm-hmm. that disgusting. phrase. Disgusting. I don't. Burn the book. Uh, my shoulders immediately go up by my ears and I pull my neck cringing because yeah. it's just ugh. It reminds me of, like, the sex ed, like, talk Mm -hmm. I was given when I was, like, 10 years old. Mm -hmm. They're like, so when two people really love each other, they make love and (laughs) they have a special hug. It reminds me of that. Special hug, ladies and gents. Yeah, that's what I was told. Um, So whenever I see make love, I think of that. Yeah. Not this time around. This time I was like. This time (laughs) my heart, a puddle. Yeah. I was like, Marcus. Marcus. I love you. Marcus. If he yeah. appeared out of this book, oh my God. I would I would be like, hello. <laughs> I would kick you out of my room. I would close the door. <laughs> I would pay rent for all four people so you could just move out. I said, I'm I'm living with Marcus now. Oh, not move out. Mm-hmm. I would kick you all out. I'd pay so much money. Oh, goodness. Okay, well, while we're on the topic, let's just jump into it. Let's start our segment. What did they call it? Where we roast or praise the the sex scenes. I just wanted to say, because April is a fan fiction writer and she is a smut fan fiction Mm. writer, there's some really delightful self-awareness in this book. So, uh, 262... They are talking about her fan fiction, and da da da. They're mm. try- she's trying to figure out the scene. Yes, she's trying to figure out what to call the vagina in her writing. Yes, because let's just admit it, vagina's not a hot not word. Hot. That's purely medical. <laughs> okay, she asks Marcus for advice, and he says. You shouldn't use the word pussy, he finally forced out, because little baby is uncomfortable. He's a shy boy. He finally forced out. It's anachronistic. In all her modern AU fix, that term was more than ac- more than acceptable, but this time she's writing like a more canonical version. Mm-hmm. And the show takes place, like I think, in ancient Greece, something along that line. So she, So she goes, April tells him so i may need to cross the c word rubicon is what you're <laughs> telling me he and he responded if you want a canon compliant term that's less euphemistic than um wetness or heat or things like that and you know what all words that we would normally and will roast, roast you for yes because what is my wetness? The fuck is that? Yeah. Is it the whole sweat on my body? <laughs> Disgusting. Sheath is also what my one of my least favorites. What? Like her warm sheath. Oh, sheath. I thought you said something else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not a fan of sheath. Not a fan of bundles. Oh, bundles for the clitoris. I see. Bundle of nerves. Having said that, Olivia never used the I don't think she ever said the word cunt in this book. I don't think so. I would have loved to see it. 
not gonna yeah. lie. It's just something so perfectly f- filthy. Yes. Like, when they really get down and dirty, I would have left. Mm. But no. But no. That's okay. I think there's more focus. I'm looking at their first sex scene that starts on page 223. She does say cock, which is great. The first line is, Med li- men lied to themselves and to her. Cox didn't. I love that. That's yes. so just like funny right. in, the, in a scene where like obviously the tension's ramping up because they're about to have sex. But I think there's more focus on their bodies and how they like take the time to like truly get to know one each other mm-hmm. and like always ask for consent during it. Yes. Which oh my god was so hot so hot and you can ask consent in a very sexy way Mm -hmm. which marcus did beautifully in yeah 260 on 263 when he's like talking dirty to her Mm. and they use word like pussy and cock and like and she called a clit a clit ladies and gentlemen hell yes fuck yeah Oh my god. When you're at work, I fist my dick and think about filling your pussy with my fingers, my cock, my tongue. (laughs) Okay. He said, I love your pussy. Love it. Wow. Wow. I said, okay, Marcus. (laughs) This is just an hour long of Jenny simping for Marcus Castro. Yes. This is... While she's talking about fanfic, this whole book is my self-insert fanfic. I can just be April. I love that for you. Yeah. It's so good. It's so good. And isn't that what we all want out of romance novels? We're mm-hmm. truly honest with ourselves. I mean, I do for sure. Yeah. And unfortunately, as a fat woman and then for me as a woman of color, Not that opportunity? <laughs> Few and far between. <laughs> I've had to pretend. I I just every single time I read something, it's like he ran his <laughs> hand through her silky blonde hair. I've just had to like swallow it back for yes. a second and been like, okay. When they That's describe fine. the character as curvy, but it's not a euphemism for fat, and they're like her curvy body, and I'm like, no, she's skinny, and like sure you can be skinny and curvy, but like then there's that weird line of like. Her but she wasn't waist. like other girls. Her tiny waist, her big butt. I was like, oh, this isn't me. <sighs> and two. <laughs> Poor Lauren Sai. She does such a good job, like, implementing April's weight into the sex without having it without be, it like. a fetish. Yes. Oh, my goodness. So on page 227, back to their first scene, when he says, when Marcus says to April, I'd love to have you ride me if that's good for you so oh, I can whoa. watch you above me. Like, first, hot, because that, I think, would be such a moment where I'd be like, well, then he can truly see all of me bouncing and jiggling and doing all the good things. That, like, that's another sign that he, like, completely is infatuated with her and he doesn't find her body disgusting or less than. Um, And then when it happens and she's writing him... It mentions that because of her weight, she, he couldn't, like, thrust as much. But mm-hmm. it wasn't like, oh, it made the sex worse. Right. It just makes it better when he, like, does swiveling hips and stuff. And I was like, oh. Ooh. Interesting. Adapt, overcome. Yep. <laughs> wow. And did they did they come? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And at the end, when he, like, 
cuddles her immediately afterwards and after they go to the bathroom which also they yes have, they go yes, to the bed they go to the bathroom after sex oh so good and then he climbs back into bed and cuddles her close encasing her with all four limbs in a way she would soon find smothering but welcomed for now Cute. It's on page 229 and he didn't say it out loud but she heard anyway this wasn't just a fuck i love your body i'm not going anywhere wow wow pure romance assurance who says you can't have a smutty scene yep full of the words dick cock pussy all of it mm-hmm. and then have something that'll melt my heart at the same time i mean that's what we want in real life yeah so why can't we have it in our fiction exactly yeah i really think olivia did a really good job balancing sincerity and filth and when like the novel at the end gets a bit a bit heavier when a when we see april and marcus both confront their parents and they like have that third act breakup which we'll talk about we also still see levity when we get those um pegging fan fictions so marcus's best friend alex plays cupid on the show and after he learns that marcus has his own fanfic he grows interested and so he starts writing his own fanfic about his character Cupid being pegged. Yeah, which is another delightful. Which is another unrealistic element that really tickled me mm-hmm. because I think a lot of actors and this is putting a real I'm painting with a broad stroke here, but I think a lot of actors are confused slash mildly scared by yeah the concept of fan fiction. So I thought it was really delightful that when marcus told his other co-star that instead of reacting negatively or like dismissing it alex actually tries yes and like reads it and then not only reads it but then ends up participating yeah i would assume they would be like baffled yeah and maybe even intimidated but alex just goes full in full in with the pegging and that's the thing too he like picked a really niche yes genre uh, is it a are pegging fix a genre you guys let know. me know yeah let us know but yeah he just cranks out a bunch of fakes about his character getting pegged which hey more power to you i don't hate that no okay so excellent sex scene minimal cringe yay olivia let's now let's talk about the overall relationship arc between Marcus and April. So mm-hmm. it hasn't, it's not all been smooth sailing. They have a couple of spats. Mm-hmm. The first one being around the time where they first started going out. Yes. And he made a passing mention about, I think, her going to exercise with him yeah so he's trying to like set up another date essentially because he's so into her right he's like well i don't know like maybe we could like work out together which you know as an actor who does a lot of stunts and like part of his physique is his character work understandable that he would have to work out all the time Mm -hmm. but my dude dude don't that's i mean he didn't mean it in a malicious way but god damn that does not sound like a fun yes date. no horrible i think he just wants to always be around her right and he's like so enamored that he's like yes but 
Yeah, not the best way. And then when he's like, oh, maybe you can try out the buffet at my hotel. When she asks him what he recommends, he recommends like all these super healthy options, like unsweetened oatmeal and like then a fruit salad on the side. Um, And so she thinks. Yeah, so she misinterprets it as him commenting on her weight and mm-hmm. doing what everyone or not everyone but doing what a lot of people have yes. done to her in the past which is to not subtly tell her that she needs to lose weight yes and she wrote him off like mm-hmm. blew him off essentially um so as a skinny person reading that i thought um before talking to you i initially read that as like an overreaction yeah but then you have explained to me that like it's not it is an overreaction if this was just like an isolated incident but for someone who is fat and who grew up fat yeah it's a it's one thing in a series of lifelong yeah microaggressions so that yes so in that context and too like it's so i think powerful to have a character who's like okay i can this is a sign of being fat shamed. I'm not going to take it. Yeah. Because it's really easy to just be like, okay, I'm going to let it brush over me. Yes. And you act like it doesn't hurt you. And then eventually it becomes so normalized. You don't realize it's happening. And I've been in so many friendships where I was being like essentially fat shamed the entire time and didn't even realize it because you think it's normal. So I really loved that. She was like, nope. Yeah. That's it. I'm fine. I deserve something better. So even though it wasn't his intention, um, I did love that. And then I also really appreciated how when they got back together, they like had that talk about food where he was when she asked, hey, do you want to eat again after they have this like weird donut concoction? He's like, I'll need to eat like lean meats all day because of my work. But that doesn't mean you can't eat your takeout. Yeah. And I'm not going to think of you any less. And that's. I think such like a, a great way to be like, I'm not judging you. And it's not because I have some like moral superiority that I'm not eating this food. It's simply because his body's a tool. Yeah. And I think what a healthy way to show a reconciliation, right? It's not right. it's not him apologizing, them getting back together and it's not addressed. They talk about it explicitly, and she yes. very calmly but, you know, clearly explains how that made her feel. And even though that's not his experience, he didn't get defensive. He no. wasn't like, oh, no, that's not what I was trying to do. He, like, took it under advisement and was like, okay, I I get it now. That's a trigger for you. Yeah. And this, the only shady thing is that he kind of comes to this understanding of like, oh, I, I understand why this is a trigger because she posts under their oh yes. server. Yes, yes. So she posts under the server as unapologetic Lavinia Stan. She's coming out to everyone as fat and she discusses how she's been like casually fat shamed and how she knows it wasn't intentional, but how it can make her feel badly. And as as he's reading this... Uh, This is page 159. Um, How had he overlooked it? How had he forgotten? She even asked, Book Aeneas would never, her longtime faithful friend, whether her appearance had spurred him to cut off contact with her because she thought those photos of their dinner together was his first real glimpse of her and she didn't know he'd already seen her by that point, already admired her, already found her unbearably sexy. And so she, she has this 
idea of the people she cares about when they find the quote-unquote flaws of her that they'll immediately dip out. Um, so even though he got to that conclusion by, you know, assuming an identity and not telling her it was him, I did love the conversation they had. It wasn't like a big breakup or anything. It was just, hey, we had an argument. Let's talk about it. Instead of, no, we're fully done. Blah, blah, blah. I'm not talking to you ever again. You're a trash person. Like they listen, they hear each other out, which I think is great. I, I hate a good, I hate a miscommunication plot. Mm-hmm. It, it deeply irks me, especially in this, if it's a modern day story when you have everything at your disposal to reach out to one another. I hate miscommunication plots. So right. I think the way she handled this was, cause I did find myself getting a little bit annoyed mm-hmm. that like, I appreciate that April, you know, had a no tolerance policy for being shamed. I get that. Yeah. But I was just like, man, it's like, it really sucks that he doesn't know what he did essentially. And then mm-hmm. he's not going to reach out to her to like ask what he did right. wrong. So then her having post that and then them reconciling and then actually having a com- like a conversation and to fix that minor com- miscommunication error, I, I it was a good great. way to resolve that. And I don't think they have any like severe miscommunications after that. After that, yes. They're always very open and I think more like gentle with each other when mm-hmm. it comes to like new boundaries. So yeah, it seems like they have a lot of patience for each other, which is astounding. And the, the only big the gentleness the gentleness that they have with each other. Oh. <laughs> not not sighs from both of us. Just we're just yearning. we're just begging at this point for some fucking some man to treat us just, with respect. Just goddamn. <laughs> Jesus. That's what we're asking for. The bar is in hell. Mhm. And yet. Yeah, here we are. Here we are. Len, let's talk about their big blow up because there yeah. of course has to be a big blow up. There has to be. It's like the staple of the genre. So, let's talk about it. Marcus you know, being Marcus, still doesn't trust April with the secret that he is secretly book Aeneas would never. And he asks, uh, so he keeps it from her, knowing this whole time that he knows a lot about her. Like, he is operating, like, under so much more information. Right. That she hasn't actually told him in person. Yes. So he accidentally lets it slip in the car with her. Yeah. And it's one of those um it's one of those things where it's revealed because he makes an offhanded comment. He mm-hmm. she goes like, "Wait, how did you know that? I never told you that." Which I thought was kind of stupid. Yes, I thought it was stupid too. He brings it up on page 324. I knew it was an issue with some of your dates, but not with him. I'm really sorry. She's like, "How did you know? How did you know that?" And I think it's resolved a little bit on page 330 when she said she decided months ago not to mention being fat shamed on dates to Marcus. It was a very deliberate, very conscious omission, one intended to spare her pride. She told herself that part of her past didn't matter, really not when he did love her body exactly the way it was. But then I would have liked to see that scene, right? I think... This whole conflict would be much more believable if we had a little bit 
of April's narration in the beginning being like, no, I won't tell him. Yeah. Because then I'd be like, oh, okay. Right. It's something that I feel like it's something that Marcus could have assumed, though, given their earlier fight about how strongly she reacted to. Mm -hmm. But whatever. Um, I do think it's commendable for him not to take that easy out. Because I think yeah. in that situation, when he's so scared that he's going to lose her, he could obviously just Lie. be like, oh, yeah. well, I just assumed, blah, blah, blah. But instead, he's like, okay, this is a make or break moment. Right. I need to be a better person and and tell her. Yeah, I guess that says more about me than about Marcus. So my immediate thing was to, my brain was immediately like, well, you can fix this so easily and just lie to the person I you're mean, in love My brain with. went the same way. Like, if I ever hit a car, I'm always like, drive away so we don't condone so, that we listeners. don't condone it we don't I've never condone done it. felonies i've never done it before okay it was just pounded into me by uh one of my parents we're cheap that's okay it's not our thought that counts it's our actions yes all right sure anyhow he fesses up and yes. she understandably freaks out yeah breaks up with him Mm-hmm. because it is a huge violation of trust oh yeah and i love that she's not just crying because of hurt but also with rage that's on page 329 as a rage crier oh, i loved it i cry so easily so when i'm frustrated easily. or angry and i love seeing crying happen not only in sad scenes yes because you know like people don't take me seriously when i'm mad and i started crying but yes. like don't get me twisted. I can still kick your ass. I'll just right. be crying as I'm doing it. <laughs> and it's just like also so hard to have serious confrontational discussions when when you when you're heaving. Yes, and it's like you tell yourself I won't cry, and then right as you open your mouth, you have the little quiver, and you're like, oh god. How damn. can someone take you seriously when your fucking bottom lip quivers? Yeah. I get so angry my, at myself. Like, I hear and my vocal a... cords vibrating. I'm like, oh, oh no. no. <laughs> it's about to come. It's just a terrible feedback loop of I'm getting more frustrated so that yes. I'm crying harder. And the other person is just like, are you are good? You? No. And I'm like, no, I'm mad at you. <laughs> and I'm mad at myself for crying when I'm mad. You know, April in that club. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they really... She calls him out. She's like, you didn't tell me because you don't trust me. And he's trying to like refute that. And I think he does something really like, I don't know, just, I, I don't know the word for it, but he tells her that he loves her and then says that, um, he, she doesn't owe him forgiveness just because he loves her and that he didn't say it to sway her but quote i said it because you should know no matter what happens between us now you should know that you're loved even if you don't forgive me and that's on page 334 which back to my earlier point about love isn't the end-all be-all of what a person can do for you right doesn't ultimately matter it matters how they treat you Mm mm-hmm so, yes, very good that he's – because, like, it, we've seen it so many times, right? When yeah. two people are fighting in a story and one of them just goes, but I love you. Oh, my God. Damn I'm it, thinking- no one. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> ah! 
Okay, my mind went to the Damon and Elena scene where they're breaking up, but then she's we're talking about Vampire Diaries now. Sorry, (laughs) sorry for the aside. We'll delete this. I don't know. No, I'm keeping some of it in. But like in season five or something of of Vampire Diaries, they're breaking up. Elena's wearing this white dress. They're in front of a fireplace. She looks so fucking good. So good. The fire's roaring, and so she's like, "But I love you," and she's and Damon's like. Then stop, stop loving, loving me. me. She goes, well, I can't. And they're doing this whole thing where they're on the verge of breaking up, but also like so in love. And so then it just all gets forgiven. And then they start having sex against a wall. And they don't. T- and it never is addressed. Right. It's just like by the fact that you told me you love me, I should forgive all of your wrongdoing. Yes. This is not how that works. And even when she tells him the first time that she loves him in that show, she's like, you have done horrible things and I have, you know, like broken down my own morals. It's okay because I love you. We can't, we can't, we can't put Vampire Diaries <laughs> on the same caliber up as to the, When we examine it under the light, it really doesn't. does it, not hold up. No. doesn't hold up like April and Marcus's relationship. Do we still watch it every day? Hell together? Yeah. Fuck yeah. I mean... Can you? I couldn't imagine a world where I don't watch Vampire Diaries. No. Twenty twenty has taken enough from us. And twenty twenty one too already. <laughs> it's it's a shame that we, when we got COVID, fun fact, we got COVID. Yeah, we did. We were not oh. quarantined together. You just had to be at some at your cousin's house. We would be done with the show. Oh my god! Yeah, we would. That would be iconic of us. No, you just watched all of House of Anubis instead. Yep, 120 episodes, baby. <laughs> She's doing great. Yeah, I'm completely fine. My mental health is definitely intact. And I don't also listen to a House of Anubis podcast and watch fan vids Shout them all out. the time. Yeah, they're called Anubis Backwards. I love them. They're so fun. And I also think something that's... I didn't pick up on when they're having this huge breakup. He doesn't cry. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, I think that's, like, messed up not to show men cry. That was, like, my first instinct. But then Olivia explains it. He wept, too, of of course, but not until he'd left her home because damned if he'd cry in front of her. Not like that. It would be an inadvertent manipulation because she cared about him. He knew it, even if she also knew he didn't deserve it. And that's on page 339. Yeah. Yes. I'm glad you brought that up because Marcus is so preciously careful Mm -hmm. with not even accidentally manipulating April. And I don't think that can be said about many people. Yes. Um, And I mean, it's an instinctual thing. Right? It right. doesn't mean you're a bad person. I've done it. I'm sure you've done it. Yeah. When we feel bad for making someone else feel bad. And then you're like, I'm so sorry. And you I'm start crying. And then person, they start apologizing to you. And they have you. to comfort. Exactly. Yeah. So, Marcus. It's such such a considerate, yeah. sweet little baby. To have that wherewithal as the person you love is breaking up with you yes. is amazing. And that's the thing. That's, uh, like, that's the other thing is... Even though um, he's an incredibly emotionally intelligent person, yes. which is why he's a great actor. Mm-hmm. And, and why he bounces off the page in this book. I, re- I wrote down in one of my notes, like, this is one of the most, like, like 
complex male love interest that I've seen in a romance novel because it's not just that he's this hunky dude that April's lusting after or that he's this geeky shy dude. He's like a mix of everything and he has this emotional depth that's just like melts my heart and you don't really see that in dual POVs. You kind of there's some sort of like emotional barrier still that Olivia just completely demolished and I really loved it. Yes. Yeah. And it's nice that not only did we get to see it's it's all I like a dual POV because I kind of like it when I read the men's perspective being like oh she's so wonderful and I'm like so angsty because like I like to imagine that men have feelings Mm -hmm. imagine (laughs) I just I want to read about a man lusting after a woman yeah right but for most of most of the novels that I've read, that's all their POVs is really. Mm-hmm. But Marcus has this whole internal life that is separate from April in a yes. way that isn't boring. No, it's, it's just so, as compelling. Yes. And it's so refreshing to see that, that they're both these two obviously separate characters that when they come together, they bring out the best in each other. But they're not like dependent on one another to like have a character arc right like yeah their love story is the big focus here but like as we've discussed there's other plot points that are just as compelling (sighs) all right well i think it's not going to be surprised what our verdict is but since we're already talking about marcus so much let's go into sip or psycho Psycho points. Psycho points? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Go for it. Having three separate identities. That's rough. That he has to keep track of. Even four. Because he, okay. he makes another another. Oh, um, right. Okay, so account. let's recount it. One, he is himself, Marcus Castorup. Mm-hmm. Two, he is the uh, well-groomed golden retriever, which is who he is in the public eye. Yep, the sweet dummy himbo. Mm-hmm. Three, his book Aeneas would never. Right. A fan fiction writer on Gods of the Gates, mm-hmm. fanfic form, and then a fourth one that's less developed. Yeah, Aeneas loves Lavinia, so he can still <laughs> participate in fandom. Yeah. With <laughs> what a nerd! I know. And plus, like, that, he also mentioned the worst possible son as a persona he puts mm. on when he's with his parents. Oh, yes. Yes. Oh. So, yeah. Five. Some psycho They're... points for, for that. Yeah. But I think we all, I can forgive him because, like, we we all do that to an extent. Yeah. We all, we have... all like, kind of put on a show depending on who we're with. Even, at the very least, when you're meeting someone, right? Yeah. And you're trying to, like, kind of test the waters. We just don't necessarily name them. No. I and wouldn't I wouldn't name my personas. He goes a bit further and does that. A step too far. And then keeping it from his long-term girlfriend. Yeah. That's the psycho point for me. Yeah. You have a two-year-long friendship, and you don't say after you trust her, like, after a good month of living at her place, hey, and that's, I need yeah, to tell you something. Yeah, that's the thing. They lived together. Yeah. They went full-on from dating first date to living together right off the bat so you know there's a slow moment in there when they're both just doing nothing he could be like hey let's talk i need you to sit down but he's a scared little boy and i understand uh yeah so 
simp. I mean, everything ev- else. <laughs> everything else. It's just so gentle. Yes, so caring, emotionally intelligent. Yeah. Sexy. Sexy. Oh my god, the dirty talk in this book. <sighs> For someone who I call bullshit, okay? For mm-hmm. someone who supposedly doesn't read smut, he is too good. Yeah. Too good at dirty talk. That's Olivia, I think, being like, no, April deserves this, and this is going to happen, even if it's a little contradictory. And we thank her. Yes, because, God, what what a wonderful part of the book. But yeah, he's very sweet. He, mm-hmm. uh, as an apology after the first incident, he asked her if she would like to go on a donut walking tour. Yeah. Which is like, obviously he doesn't, he hasn't even, I, I wanted to say he hasn't known her for that long, but that is not true. He knew her as Olsie. Yeah. But I mean, as someone who's on a first date, he's like very considerate and very thoughtful of like what would be a fun date yes from her perspective and then he's he does it mm-hmm. and he does it even if that might not be what he wants like he's like okay i accidentally insulted triggered her, her and insulted her so let's show that i truly don't care what she eats as long and then he like the way he looks at her and thinks about her oh. Um, she, so we, April's a geologist. Yes. Not the most exciting of jobs. No. But I think there was a moment where she was talking about something that she was doing for work that like goes over both readers' heads and Marcus's head. Mm -hmm. But because she like really is enjoying it, because she enjoys her job, he he, like looks at her as she's like going on about it. And he was like, oh my God, she's so beautiful when she's happy. Yeah. And I love that he talks both about, like, her personality and her body being something yes. that he's so attracted to. Yes. So after, even after they've broken up, he can, like, spot her from afar because, one, he knows her that well now. But, two, because she, like, shines bright like a star and yes. she's so sexy. Oh, my, oh my God. God. Okay. So we're simping for Marcus. We are. Simping I'm a true simp. for April. Yeah. I simp for both of them. Wow, they're just so great. I think this is probably one of like the healthiest relationships I've read in a romance novel. Would you agree? Yeah. Mm-hmm. By far. By far. They have like legit hard conversations. Right. Being like, hey, I'm dyslexic, did not know about it until I was an adult and have felt shamed my entire life. Because my parents suck. And she's like, whoa. Me too. My parents also suck. And they're able to, like, be that support for each other and, like, show each other that they're good enough. Oh, stop they are. it. Oh, no. Stop it. <sighs> too good. All that being said, my final verdict is Marcus Casterup, simp. I agree. I concur. Major simp. We would also love to hear your thoughts, listener, if you've read Spoiler Alert and you, if you agree or if you disagree, please write in to us yes. at rippingonbodicerippers at gmail.com mm-hmm. or rippingonpod on Twitter. And Instagram. And Instagram. Yeah. Feel free to DM us. We would be so excited. We want to know all your thoughts about Marcus and April and 
all the fanfic and the pegging and the sex scenes. Oh my God, please talk to us about pegging. Yeah, please. Our DMs are open, but ooh, not like that. In <laughs> uh, <laughs> a purely... Um, we have to start a Patreon for that first. Yeah. Let's not... Let's not. I mean, go we there. need to make money one way or the other. Not get, we're not. You're not getting that for free, ladies and gentlemen. No. Yeah, but let's talk about okay. how they get back together. Yes, they have the big fight. They don't talk for a minute. It's like a week. Is it a week? I felt more like a month, but you. Yeah. So the book feels like like the timeline feels long, but it's not. <laughs> They've been dating for like two or three months. I see. And then it mentions in the chapter they break up like, oh, the con is next week. Oh. So they have only like been not talking to each other for like five days. Yeah. And wow. Are they truly broken up or do they just need space from each other? It just felt longer, I guess, for me because they're both so fucking distraught. Yeah. They're like, oh, my God, I just lost the love of my life. But I don't know if I can forgive them. And I'm just pitiful. Which, I mean, been there, but yeah. Ooh. it feels long for sure in that moment. Right. Okay. So while they were dating, obviously Marcus is in the limelight. So meaning April also has to be. Mm-hmm. So she had agreed while they were dating to moderate this gods of the gates convention. Mm-hmm. So now that they're broken up, she's still the dilemma being. Mm-hmm. Do I go? Do I show my face? And, you know, she's tired of all the shame at this point, and she decides to go. Yes. She has responsibilities, and she had plans to, like, meet all of her other friends. Yes. And she was entered into this cosplay competition, and she wasn't going to let her breakup with Marcus derail the rest of her life, which, side note. Amazing. Amazing. I saw this really amazing tweet once that was like, a woman will get broken up with and she will immediately have a new job, gotten into Harvard, Mm -hmm. (laughs) moving on with her life. And I think, yeah, I really see that in myself too. Like every, every time I've experienced heartbreak, following that was an intense period of productivity. Yeah. You remind me of that America's Next Top Model meme where Ebony's like, crying and then she like breaks character and she's like flaunting it's like yeah there might be like a 12 hour period where you cry so much you become extremely dehydrated but then the next day you're like on top of your game it's like who's that man i don't know him that's really sweet Mm -hmm. also thank you for saying that even though i was retching on in your bathroom yes you were yes you were what a fun night huh it's fine. I'm fine. We've all been there. We've all been there. What were we talking about? I got... The I got reconciliation. The reconciliation. Okay, so she goes, doing her thing. Yep. Committed to not caring and right. having a fun time. Yes. Marcus sees her in immediate inner turmoil. He's like, but I love her. I love her. She looks so pretty. She's like, but I, I can't. It would be too much. It would be overstepping a boundary. So instead, he like sees her from afar, and he like goes to the panel dressed in like a 
like a disguise and he sees her like meeting all of her friends and he's like must look away it hurts too much she's radiating yeah oh my goodness so the whole panel goes through and what um april only hears learns about right before the panel is that marcus on a previous panel was just asked about his relationship with April and whether it was a publicity stunt. And he completely um, shuts that down. And he's like, no, it wasn't a publicity stunt. April is so beautiful. And like the, the implication that it was all just for, for clicks is like completely wrong. And so by the time April gets to her um, panel with Summer, the actress who plays Lavinia, um, that's already buzzing and so she also then gets a question about whether or not um, their relationship was a publicity stunt leading me to cry again <laughs> um side note I this makes my little nerdy heart so happy because mm-hmm. I who've never been able to go to comic-con and then now during a pandemic extra can't can't go, go. <laughs> um I always always watch like the game of thrones panel and the marvel panels you know all the things that i'm excited about and the thing that i hate the most is when people take the precious audience question times to ask Mm -hmm. stupid shit like that girl olivia knows the struggle of just wanting like i i just want to hear the people who work on things that i like to talk about their process and their thinking mm-hmm. and then people will be like well tell me about your girlfriend and we're like <laughs> no oh, shut up they're not gonna tell you but this time they do but this time in this fantasy bubble mm-hmm. tell them what happens jenny okay on page 387 This girl, Layla, who really just puts herself right in the middle of this reunion. Sweet Layla. Um, She asks April um, if they're still together and if it was real. And April confirms it was real. And Layla says, oh, good. Are you two still dating? Because it, the microphone picked up a little catch in her throat. It meant a lot to me to see you two together. Oh my gosh. So sweet. First of all, I would never. I could never. Mm-hmm. Layla, you're a brave really, girl. You're really putting yourself. She's described as like no older than 20. Yeah. Yeah. So April sees this as an opportunity to show her that people who look like us can be loved, desired, and have happy endings. Oh. And oh, the tears me. were flowing. Yeah, I bet. I like, oh, we do. We do. Um, <laughs> then April looks to the side and she sees that Marcus is on like the wings uh, of the, uh, of the panel their eyes and no meet. one can see them. Their eyes meet across the room and she thinks, yes, this is the time to declare my love in front of everyone. Um, so these two a, assholes, I know. Oh my God. Way to just be like, this is our love story. Now watch. So April responds again to Layla saying, you didn't ask me this, but I want to make something else clear. If Marcus and I break up, it won't be because I want to, and it won't be because I don't love him. I do love him. Of course I love him. How could I not love him? Wow. 
He's such a talented man, incredibly knowledgeable and smart and so curious about everything. And this whole entire time, she's not looking at Layla. She's looking directly into Marcus's eyes. When she thinks she's done with the question, he comes up on stage, interrupts and says, just a quick note before we move on. Um, And he gets the go ahead from the other people on the panel. And Layla's just still in the middle of this. He said, Layla, I have something I want to make clear as well. This girl's just like, uh-huh. She's like, get me out of here. Layla's I've been standing like, for too made long. a mistake. She's like, uh-oh. And so Marcus goes, Miss Whittier, which I love that he calls her Miss Whittier. I know. It's something so, like, sexy librarian about it. Mm-hmm. Miss Whittier seemed uncertain on the matter, so let me clarify for you. His voice was clear and sure, and warmth crinkled the corners of those famous blue-gray eyes. Blue-gray. My eyes. I I have blue-gray eyes. (laughs) Fun fact. Fun fact. (laughs) Fun fact about me. I just took that compliment and put it on myself. He says, we're not breaking up. Not if I have anything to say about it. It was April's turn to stare at him, shocked into stillness. He lowered his microphone and faced her, free hand lifted and waited for her permission. She nodded. And then blah, blah, blah. Well then, ducking his head, he pressed a soft kiss on her trembling lips. Another. Then he raised his microphone again. It's official. We're still dating. That's the answer to your question, Layla. And then the kiss was long. It Oh, well. April surges to her feet and yanks Marcus close and uses her hands in that soft, soft hair to pull him down to her. The kiss was long. It was loving. It was fervent. It involved more tongue than was appropriate for an event advertised as family friendly. And it was a a kiss that launched a thousand new fix. Let's. Okay. Very public. Not only is Layla still standing there, they're in front of a (laughs) massive audience and live streamed live streaming and april was like interviewing marcus's co-star who was sitting on stage during this entire (laughs) can you just imagine being summer and you're like doing an interview and all of a sudden at the q a she's just like during this whole exchange she's like okay watching her co-star her co-worker Mm -hmm. aggressively make out with his girlfriend she's like Okay. Layla, I'd be like, is it time for me to sit down now? Like, yeah, I would have I to look at the go? moderator. Who is April? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. So the co- the panel has obviously devolved, but... I mean, what a power move for the first time you tell a guy you love him is after you've already broken up with him mm-hmm. in front of a million people. Yeah. She's like, no going back now. That's the thing about these two is they just balls to the wall. All the time. And I'm like, can you two just relax? Yes. Because instead of Marcus, like, gradually being like, hey, I'm not stupid, he just, like, starts... Unveils himself. Unveils his supreme intelligence just right off the bat at a panel. And everyone's, like, shocked. And all of his coworkers are like, what the hell? So, yeah, they just completely go for it. They're like, there's no subtlety about it. It's they're just like, so, yes, so I'm intelligent. Chaotic. Yes, I'm in love with April. And April's like, yes, we're Me together. Too. Me too. So chaotic. I love it. Dummies though. in love. Mm hmm. So, yeah. to wrap up, what a story. What a story. What a jam packed, 
emotional mm-hmm. gut punch of a story that's yes. also so fun so fun and i think illustrates so well why romance is important mm. in the epilogue they bounce forward two years which first off very i was like shocked at that and very nice um but someone the author of of the books the show is being adapted to writes that um he writes that some scriptwriters believe death and misery and stagnation are more clever, more meaningful, and more authentic to reality than love and happiness and change. But life isn't all misery, and finding a path through the hard, hard lives to joy is tough, clever, meaningful work. And I think that just speaks so well to why romance yes. matters. Yes. And also, what a great clever beautiful jab at all of those capital t those writers whom Mm -hmm. we've all read slash watched yeah where happy endings just don't exist cough game of thrones cough Mm. yeah and yes and that's the other thing is that olivia dane has beef with game of thrones oh yeah and it's so obvious within this book she the jabs here are endless and if you are someone who was also severely disappointed by the last season of the show you will find yourself chuckling reading this book yes and she even does a shout out to the brainy fandom in her in her acknowledgments so she was definitely lurking on some game of thrones fix ah <sighs> I mean, it's not even subtle. They talk no. about literally how the fake show that Marcus was on was based off a series of books that were never finished. Mm-hmm. The showrunners both have names that start with R. Yep. And then when they ran out of the books, the showrunner like relied on misogyny and tropes and cliches, and it's all bad. And yeah. And Marcus's character is obviously based off of Jamie Lannister. Mm-hmm. So Olivia was pissed that Jamie and Brienne never ended up together. So again, if you are a Jamie and Brienne shipper, this is the book for you. This is the book for you, my dude. Yeah. And it's the opposite of that last season of Game of Thrones. This book is like just pure and amazing. Like everything I would want in like a romance novel. Yes. Yes. Let yourself be gentle. Let yourself get a happy ending. Mm hmm. You know, it's it's 2021. Right. We deserve softness. Yes. We've been through hell and back. We all deserve a little light at the end of the tunnel. Romance. Romance. Marcus Castor Rupp. He's my light. <laughs> Olivia Day, please. <laughs> please just make Marcus a real life human. Um, and another light at the end of the tunnel is that another book is coming out this summer, actually, called Slow Burn. And it's going to be Alex and Lauren's unforgettable love story and their two side characters in Spoiler Alert, who yes. had such good chemistry. Oh, I picked up on it immediately. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, my God. You must read. Finally. Yes. Excellent. All right. So to wrap up, I rate this book 4.5 out Mm -hmm. of 5 ripped bodices what about you i think i would do the same i'm on the edge between 4.5 and 5 but my heart is saying 5 your heart says 5 i understand that i had to detract 
just half a point just because some of it was so heavy-handed mm. with the Game of Thrones slash oh. feminist comparison. Not a bad way, just like a... It's, it got a bit soapboxy. Yeah. As someone who didn't ever watch Game of Thrones, I did not mind at all. So, five ripped bodices for me. Yay! Yay. A success. All right. So, thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of Ripping on Bodice Rippers. Please give us a review. It is really helpful for a new podcast mm-hmm. like us to show up on the charts. So, give a, rate us five stars. Leave us a review. Tell your friends to subscribe. Yeah. Subscribe yourself. And you can find us on social media. That's Twitter and Instagram at Ripping on Pod. All right. And until next time, be gentle with yourselves. Yeah. Find your happy ending.